0: welcome to mob talk with talia and chris what's up everyone welcome to mob talk before we start today i'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the very lands on which we meet my name's talia little i'm from central australia i'm central Aranda, and i'm a proud aboriginal woman today i'm here with my brother boy chris patton aka cp
1: Thank you, Talia. Chris Patton here, everybody. Proud Palawa man from the Cape of Portland tribe in Tasmania, part of the Manalagena family. And I'm just rapt to be here with you today, Talia, and be able to uh, have a platform to discuss some of the things that we're about to.
0: Yeah, definitely, Chris. We've actually been given a platform by the Victorian Aboriginal Child Care whose vision and purpose is to promote self-determination within Aboriginal families. We advocate for Aboriginal children and we promote healing and empowerment. Now, I'm pretty excited to be here today, Chris. I guess we both are. We've been wanting to do something like this for a while. What's What's so exciting about this having this platform for you?
1: For me, I guess it goes back to pre-colonisation days. And when you look at our ancestors, Um, And their ancestors and their ancestors and their ancestors occupied these lands for tens and thousands of years, living harmoniously as one with the land, having systems and protocols in place, Aboriginal law, L-O-R-E, that allowed our people not only to survive but thrive. I'm hoping that we can yarn about some inspirational stories, talk about people defying the odds, breaking stereotypes, being strong in your Aboriginality and being proud to identify and having some of those cultures and traditions passed on to our people today.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, Chris. I I feel the same. I'm just excited to be here today with you and to talk to some pretty inspirational Aboriginal people about their journeys and and our journeys. We talk a bit about self-determination. What does that look like for you as a young Aboriginal man in society these days?
1: You know, Talia, self, self-determination for me is something that I think I'm some somewhat becoming educated on and learning as I get older and what that means exactly for me. But I think as simply as I could probably put it, it is taking your destiny into your own hands, being accountable for your future, being responsible for where you go, understanding the impacts that you can have on other people's lives, not having excuses for wrongdoings, or at least acknowledging where you have made mistakes. Self-determination for me is also empowering others.
0: So you talk about your cultural journey. Where did that start for you? Was it in primary school, high school? Did you always identify?
1: So my cultural journey started, I mean, as young as I can remember, really. My dad's white. My mum's Aboriginal. My grandpa's Aboriginal. My grandma on my mum's side. English slash Australian. When I was young, I knew I was Aboriginal. It wasn't hidden from us. It wasn't a secret. But I had no understanding of what that meant, what being culturally strong meant, what being culturally aware meant. So I remember probably one of my first experiences with um, identifying as Aboriginal and coming out in public, I guess, was probably probably wouldn't have been any more than grade one or two when we had to do a... Um, a, a project on some of our family tree, our family history. And my mum helped me put together a little presentation on some of my family tree. And, and I remember coming to school and doing this presentation and kind of getting laughed and teased at a little bit and wasn't really too sure what was going on and why people thought it was funny. And after the presentation, everyone's going, you're not Aboriginal. So it did, it wasn't... My first experience was was essentially rejection, from mainstream school when i go to when i go to primary and high schools now i see aboriginal flags i see acknowledgements before school assemblies i've been there and i've seen that that was never a thing when i was in primary school i don't recall a single aboriginal flag acknowledgement plaque um, you know cultural you know any, any any different language group to to name buildings it was very culturally unsafe environment and I think a lot of probably primary school and high schools so that was probably my first experience of you know which which I can remember relatively clearly which I think negatively impacted me on embracing my culture for for numerous years and um, I think that's probably a common sh- story shared between a lot of the people in the Aboriginal community of you know this this um this feeling of shame and you know what's happened to our people and you The great thing about this podcast is we can kind of reverse some of those stereotypes and talk about opportunity and how we can flip that narrative and turn it into, you know, the direction that we're heading, which is, again, a very strong community.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, Chris.
1: So, Tali, me and you, we've known each other for, what, Two, two three and a half years, years three years—I mean, mm-hmm. a long time. It's it's snuck up. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, I was hoping you would have. now nah, I, I was hoping to say. I was hoping you would have left by now. I nah. hope you would have
0: grown a bit. <laughs> <laughs> if, for those of you who don't know, Chris Patton's probably six foot ten, and uh, I'm five foot two, so it's an interesting sight to look at. And uh, we've been mates for a while now, so we've been through a bit. But um look at us now.
1: We're here doing this podcast. Here doing a podcast. And you know, we've we've had that many conversations over the years. I mean, hours at work, on the phone, hung out outside of work. Um, you know, what sticks out to me is is how often you talk about growing up in the Alice Springs and how much that means to you. And um, you know, you it literally you can see it just coming out of you. You can see you can see the spirit just oozing out of you when you talk about Alice, or go you talk about going back to visit your grandma and getting back to community. And um, I know last year, and I think even maybe before that, um, you've spoken numerous times about you wanting you want to go up and work in Alice um, for a, a year or two. But you, you you've consistently talked about your connection to Alice Springs, to your family there, to the land. Can you discuss kind of what that, what that, what what that relationship and connection feels like, where you f- you do feel so drawn to it.
0: Yeah, Chris. Um, I was born in Alice Springs at the Alice Springs Hospital, and then grew up there until I was probably six. Um, we had to leave Alice Springs for some. Unforeseen circumstances, but we moved to Darwin, which is a beautiful place. The mob up there are awesome. Um, grew up there till I was probably thirteen. Then we also had to move to Melbourne for some unforeseen circumstances. But growing up in Alice Springs and the Northern Territory around so much culture and being immersed in in everything traditional is is was awesome. And I didn't understand how lucky I was then to come down to Melbourne and and see. The amazing effort that Victorians are putting into keeping our culture alive. In Northern Territory, it's not so much keeping the culture alive, it's just practising it. The connection I have to Alice Springs is, to home, is is a weird feeling that you can't explain and and ex- explaining it to a lot of my white friends. They don't understand why I have this almost pull back to home and it's because we as Aboriginal people have a deep connection to our country and appreciation for land. I remember when I was probably 14 or 15, we were in a conversation with my grandmother and I said, why would I want to move back to Alice? There's not much to do there. And she said to me, she actually looked at me and said, this is your country. What do you mean? This is where our ancestors have lived and have been for years. And and in that moment, I kind of thought to myself, wow, this is my country. How lucky am I to have lived in such a beautiful place and be surrounded by such beautiful native plants, animals, people, you know, be immersed in such ancient culture. I can't talk about too much about ceremony because of Aboriginal traditional ways, but we went back onto my Nana's country recently and to see her just sit there and be one with nature with with our country was amazing and it just kind of showed the strong pull that aboriginal people have to land and country
1: mm, that's so interesting it's it's amazing how you can get some advice from an elder like that and they can say something so simple and break it down just as simple as what do you mean this is your land and it just resonates because it's from an elder I can imagine that being a really powerful moment and where you would have just sort of sat there and just been like you're hundred percent right.
0: Definitely. And I think in this day and age, we all get caught up in who has the coolest shoes and what we can buy on Instagram or who's liking our post. But mm-hmm. really when I think of what's most important to me, I, I get, I get that feeling of hurt in my heart where I can't visit my family at the moment due to coronavirus. And that hurt that I feel disconnected from my, my country and my people. And and it really resonates with me how our ancestors would have felt or my nana or my aunties, the people that were taken from their mum and dads would have felt when they weren't connected to their country. And that's how strong we feel about our nature and our, and our people and our and our land. And that's what I feel like a lot of people, not everyone, we have some great non-Aboriginal people surrounding us and helping us mm-hmm. through this fight, but it's what a lot of people don't understand is why we want our land and why it is so important to us.
1: Can I just take that back for a second? Because you mentioned earlier how you, how you started in Alice Springs and then moved to Darwin before coming to
0: Melbourne. There wasn't much culture sock from Alice Springs to Darwin. I'd say from Darwin to Melbourne, there was a massive culture shock. I had never in my life questioned my identity. People knew my name, my family's name. Um, moving to Melbourne, no one really did. You know, I'm quite fair-skinned and in Darwin or Alice Springs, I was never questioned about who I was. Moving to Melbourne, it was the blackfellas that questioned who I was. They didn't mm-hmm. know my name. They didn't know where I was from. So I think I was in year seven and eight and I I started the Koori Academy, which was an academy for – probably 30 young Aboriginal um, people in high school and I remember being completely left out by all the black kids and I was confused as to why because never in my life have I felt less black and I guess that's the main culture shock in Victoria is that Aboriginal people for me when I was that age weren't weren't involving each other it was kind of like I'm blacker than you I know more culture than you whereas when I grew up in the Northern Territory there wasn't really any of that well from my knowledge you know and there's a lot more that I have to learn and there's a lot that I have learned but um yeah I guess that's probably the biggest thing is
1: yeah definitely having a having a strong family around you that has been a blessing
0: so we've talked a bit about my journey Chris um as a young Aboriginal person being Aboriginal for you what is that what does that mean? Like what does it mean to discover yourself?
1: I guess that that was a huge thing for me growing up in primary school and high school is I didn't always quite fit in with the cool crowd. I didn't respond well to, I was sensitive, I didn't respond well to being teased. Um, I didn't advocate on my behalf, on the behalf of myself. I handled um, conflict or being teased pretty poorly. I would, I would leave, I'd get emotional. Um, sometimes, so there was a few days where I just walked home from school. Um, you know, high school, primary school, high schools a really, really difficult time. So, um, I, I can certainly relate in the sense that I was proud to be Aboriginal. My friends around me knew I was Aboriginal, but I didn't really know much more than that. As I've gotten older and um I've realized it's I feel like it's something that's kind of in you um and it's just up to you to be proud of.
0: So you know you talk a little bit about in primary school being one of the only Aboriginal kids and feeling left out or feeling like you're not normal in a sense you know you want to kind of be no no kid wants to feel like left out or they don't fit in how good is it being in an Aboriginal organisation, and you don't feel that you you meet some, another Aboriginal person, and you're like, wow, you're Aboriginal, I'm Aboriginal, and it's this yep. excitement, and you can't put He's it your feeling, yeah, like your sister girl, your brother boy, yep. all these deadly names, you know, you name it, and and it's a different feeling, and you can't ex, you can't explain that, but it's you know, I, I've recently met two girlfriends of mine who are Aboriginal, and the moment I found out they were Aboriginal, I was like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's awesome. Like, you're Aboriginal, where are you from? Who's your mob? And instantly there's this connection that you haven't felt in primary school or high school and that's, yeah, it's it's something you can't explain.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. You know, we could talk about our, our, our studying we did last year, me, me and yourself at Vaxel, Victoria Aboriginal Corporation Services Limited. Uh, me, me and yourself, we studied there last year and you could just feel... The sense of family and welcoming that a, a random group of curry kids have when they're brought into the same room.
0: Yeah, definitely. I um I can relate to that a heap. I remember at the start of Axel I was a bit nervous to go, and by the end of it, we were talking to all the people in the class, saying, you know, what's for lunch? Is it chicken rolls? Is it this? Is it that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Quick shout out to Melinda and Josh Burgoyne as well for for that for that class. Josh Burgoyne mate you are a you are a smart educated man we are lucky to have someone like you in community doing the work and educating our people cuz you know the 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 study that you've done i think he's got a i think he's got a degree and maybe a masters in psychology but he's one smart cat leading leading our you know emerging leaders leaders so just quick shout out to him but that whole vaxal experience really was great So when when we talk about, say, like the next five to ten years, right, as as two people that are, you know, involved in the Aboriginal community, what are you most excited about of where we're heading?
0: I mean, for the job that we do, what excites me is the fact that we are connecting Kauri kids to other Kauri kids. And, you know, we've both grown up in situations where we might have been the only or one of the few Aboriginal kids at the school, so what excites me is the programs that are being developed for young Aboriginal people and the opportunities that universities like RMIT are providing for Aboriginal people funded programs and to kind of close that gap um, yeah it just excites me and and for me and you Chris doing this podcast is an awesome ap- opportunity like I'm, I'm stoked to be doing this we've been talking about this for a while and being a young Aboriginal woman I can only see so many doors that are already opening up for me so
1: yeah, yep, yep. I think that's beautiful.
0: Although me and Chris could keep talking for about four years, um, we have some pretty long yarns on the daily. This is our first podcast, our first episode, but we've got we've got a lot more talking to do. So there will be a lot more episodes, and we're going to have a, some really deadly um, Aboriginal people featuring on this podcast. So
1: yeah, and for any of the listeners out there, as Talia said, this is our first podcast. So we'll go back, we'll review, we'll figure out, but. Hopefully we, we have you guys tune in for another episode. We are going to have some real deadly guests on. I'm sure most of you will know them, maybe be fans of them, and if not, you'll learn heaps. So hope to speak with you all soon.
0: Coming up in the next episode is world-renowned dig artist Gungagiri
1: and Lionel Loush from Living Culture.
0: Tune in next time for some serious mob talk. <laughs>